Hello everybody and welcome back to Castle Rock Critical as we continue our Stephen King retrospective with the all-time classic and what might be revered or considered as the best adaptation of Stephen King's works, The Shawshank Redemption, directed by Frank Darabont. Very good. Don't sound any more excited than that. That's absolutely fine. Today I'm joined by two lovely ladies, Raquel Welsh, our Emma, and Rita Hayworth is our Lucy. Who, me? Very lovely. Uh, Someone that I liken to the big lad, the new fish who comes into the prison with Andy Dufresne and everyone knew would break first under pressure, it's Gaz joining us from Australia. It's absolute nonsense. Do your best big fish impression. Fish, fish. I want to go home. Can you please cry uh, for your mother and make us really feel like you don't want to be in prison, Gareth? Nerves of steel over here, actually, so that's not fair. Very good. that guy. Uh, And John can't be with us today. He is reminiscent, though, of uh, one of the sister crew, possibly Boggs, uh, but we'll leave it at that. Um, <laughs> as is tradition, I will read out the synopsis of the film, and then I would love your blueberry scores, please. First up, here's the synopsis. The Shawshank Redemption is an uplifting, deeply satisfying prison drama with sensitive direction and fine performances. Now, I have to say, very disappointed in that description of the film. Where does that description come from? They always come from Rotten Tomatoes, Lucy. Don't follow As is tradition, see? As is tradition. Okay, yeah, that underplays and undercuts the worth of the film massively. I mean, uplifting, I think, is a strong word. I don't think it's necessarily uplifting. until Right at the end. Yeah. Shawshank is especially important to us as it's the main, one of the main focal points of the show Castle Rock. And let's not forget, while we're here, everyone, it is for Castle Rock. Uh, We were delighted to see it again in the show. Uh, But the version in the show is way, way darker than the version we get shown in this iteration of the Shawshank prison. Right, guys? Yeah, absolutely. It's still pretty grim in this one, but there are moments of joy to be had when you're just chilling with your mates, carving rocks and that. Yeah, I mean, he gets to make a chess set. I mean, the guards aren't butchering everyone. There's not like a mass killing that happens in episode four. Byron, who obviously his... Um, namesake appears in the show Castle Rock is pretty savage and he does beat Gareth to death at the beginning of the show. That is true. Very true. Gareth Gareth does get beaten to death in this one. That is true. Very good point. So there are extreme dark moments. There is nobody squandered down the bottom of some hidden well in this short shank. Very very true. There's a lot of sort of rape and sort of homosexual rape and that. Not homosexual, just horrible rapist gangs. Just rape, just rape in general. Terrible stuff, terrible, terrible. So it's still bad. Very bad. I'm sold. (laughs) Good. Can I please have everyone's blueberries? And for anyone listening for the first time, the blueberry system works like this. We rate everything that we review between zero and five blueberries. Five being the best, zero being the worst. There can be no halves because that would be mental. Uh, I'm going to kick it off with Emma. Uh, You've read the short novella, as has Lucy. I would like your book input as well as film input. Please blueberry away. Uh, Okay, so Shawshank Redemption has been one of my favourite films for a very long time and reading the novella or the short story and then re-watching this film this week has reminded me why it is um, short and sweet. It's fucking beautiful. It's five out of five blueberries. Yeah, it's short and sweet. And the novella? Five out of five. It's a, it's a ten. It's a ten. It's, it's unheard ten of. You can't, well, you can't have tens. Uh, if John was here, he'd be going mental when you say that. So Double five. It's double five. Yes, that's right. Uh, moving it on to Australia and Gareth right now. Gareth, you don't read, so just a film review for you, please. Brilliant. This has been a lovely start. I'm glad I'm here. Um, <laughs> this, like many people, this is this is one of my favourite movies um, of all time. It's It's definitely... In the top three, my top three. I have to I have to 
confess is about ten movies, but yeah. um, <laughs> it's it's in there, um, in the rotation. You know, um, what what can you say that hasn't been said about Shawshank Redemption? I don't think anything, but um, the things that I love personally are the 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 journey. You know, it's you you really it's one of those movies where you fully get into it, and the first time that you watch it, there's the moment towards the end where you literally feel like standing up and punching the air in celebration because it gets it gets you mm. and you care so much about your characters and and what's happening and um it's a beautiful movie and it's it's almost flawless I, I, i'm trying to think of any criticism of it and i can't um so i suppose that is literally flawless um for me i'll give it five blueberries no doubt Lovely. definitely the best the best prison break movie of all time. Lovely stuff. Absolutely lovely stuff. Luce, uh, coming to you next, our very own uh, Rita Hayworth. Go, shoot. Yes. Okay. Um, like everyone has mentioned, this when I was younger, this would be my default favourite film. People ask you to say Shawshank Redemption. Um, it is probably, to my mind, one of the best films ever made. Um, I also really like the novella based on it. Uh, Different Seasons is the short story collection that that is in, if anyone is interested in listening to it, uh, reading it, rather. Um, yeah, it's just a fantastic film, and it's it's so much more than the sum of its parts in many ways. And we've all probably watched so many films since that have aspired to have the kind of gravitas that mm. Shawshank does. I don't actually understand how it's so good. Obviously, performances, the script's really good, direction, but why it's so timeless it's just some kind of magic, I think, in the film because so many films try and copy that, but they can't, they just can't achieve it. And it is an absolutely fantastic film, a stone cold classic, and it's five blueberries from me. And same as um, Emma, it's a double five double for the five. novella as well. Lovely Woo! stuff, lovely stuff on the double five. I'm going to echo the fives. It's a five from me. Um, it's it's in my top ten. It's not in my top five. However, I still think it is the best Um prison break movie like you said gav of all time i i just think the emotion in it is so powerful especially when someone like andy dufresne comes across as such a sort of like unemotional character for a lot of the film and then you have that release of emotion towards the end of a film which is incredible um it's just beautifully directed frank darabont did a fantastic job we cover the walking dead and the walking dead as a show would be completely different if they had kept him on after season 1 i think it would be up there as one of the best shows on television whereas now it's fallen by the wayside i think that's testament to what a director that man is but as i will say here and i want your guys opinion on this do you think this is the best narrated film of all time i feel like it created that narrative trope of Morgan Freeman narrating your life. Yes, well, about yeah. that about that trope, Lucy. I'm going to... There's a little game I want to play with you all right now. Um, and Gareth, I've chosen you on the other side of the world, isolated from us, because I know it must feel like you are in some sort of prison. New fish. Mm, new fish. So I've got a little game. I'm going to play some music. Yeah, some lovely Shawshank melodies should be coming in round about now. And I want you to narrate something to us in your best narration voice. This is quite fun, actually. All right. The coffee sat on the side. Getting cooler, I realised it was time for me to put my clothes on and brush my teeth. 
I drank the coffee quickly, rinsed it out with a glass of milk. I thought to myself, that's a lot of milk for one morning. I went and brushed my teeth, and as I did so, I couldn't help but look back at the reflection staring back at me and think, you've aged, you've aged. <laughs> Best supporting narrator. I mean, award. it literally, it y- you've made your life sound more mundane than possible, <laughs> which is what I like about it so much. But, you know, that, that's fine. That's absolutely fine. Well done. And you have aged, so well done for noticing. Yeah, hey, everyone ages. So, yeah, very good. Very good, Gareth. Um, really like that. Now a quick advert where we have some very exciting news. Hello, yes, it's the usual advert section, but today we have some very exciting news. Woo! Yeah, thank you. Yeah, I was hoping that would just happen naturally, but fine. It did. <laughs> kind of. Uh, so first up, just to say, Captain Marvel comes out this weekend. Yes. Bloody hell. Yay! Looking forward girl to... Power. Very much so, girl power. Looking forward to Marvel's first real frontline female superhero headlining her own film. Uh, the reviews so far across the internet seem pretty good. We'll give you our take on it sometime next week. We're all going to go see it this weekend and hopefully the podcast will be out later next week. The really exciting news is twofold. Number one, anyone that's been listening to us from, say, the start or has gone back through our back catalogue will know that Game of Thrones is something that is extremely close to our hearts and we have decided that we are going to be dedicating a whole channel to the world of Westeros, Essos, Planetos, whatever you want to call it, George R. R. Martin's fantastical world, we will be having our own podcast channel where we dedicate a podcast every few weeks to that show. And then obviously when the show is on, covering it every single week with detailed analysis and theory discussion, which is something that we obviously love to do. Yay! Yay! Very discussion. discussion. I can now reveal that the name of our Game of Thrones podcast, which will be live next week. Drumroll, please. Is Bastards and Broken Things, a Game of Thrones podcast by Fran Critical. Woo! Woo! Bastards! Yeah, we are. Broken Things. It pretty much describes us quite well, actually. And anyone who knows Game of Thrones will know that's one of uh, the famous lines from Tyrion Lannister. You know, one of our favourite actors talking to one of our other favourite characters in Jon Snow. So that is the podcast. It will be out next week. So we'll we'll follow links on social to subscribe to that channel if you just want to hear Game of Thrones stuff. Of course, we will release it on the Fan Critical channel as well. But we have that dedicated Game of Thrones channel that is searchable on iTunes and all that sort of jazz, Spotify. And that will be available as of next week. What's the other really exciting news? Len? Well, Emma, this is a big deal. This is a big deal, guys. Uh, we have been talking amongst ourselves for the past six months or so about how we can expand this podcast and get more content out to you guys, the listeners, about things that you want to hear. Sometimes we get emails, we get questions about are you going to be covering this show? Have you guys seen this? What did you think of this Netflix uh, docu-series? A lot of that stuff happens and Unfortunately, because of the time constraints that we have against us and the amount of stuff that we have already planned to cover, we are unable to fulfill any extracurricular activities in any way, shape or form. And what we've decided to do is 
because I think this is what a lot of podcasts do and I think this is how we can grow as a podcast and really improve our content is we have decided to open up a Patreon account for Fan Critical as a whole. And the way a Patreon account works is as follows. You can visit our Patreon page and then on there you can choose to donate monthly towards the podcast. There are added benefits for the amount of money that you want to donate per month. We have a tiered system where you'll get new episodes, exclusive episodes that we're only going to be doing for Patreon members. We're going to be doing our caster episodes, which are basically where we recast famous films with new actors. And if you want an idea of what that sounds like, you can go check out our Guardians of the Galaxy podcast in the Fan Critical podcast feed. Not only that, there'll be opportunities to appear on a podcast, be a guest speaker on a podcast. There's opportunities to talk with us on Discord about different films and just have a general chat about the way the podcast is going or any ideas that you might have towards the podcast and there's also the opportunity to commission short 30-minute podcasts covering a film or a short little docudrama of your choice so there's a lot of options out there and basically it just gives us an opportunity to collaborate with you guys a lot more find out what you want to talk about and hopefully get that into the main podcast stream that we release every week so that's it we have a patreon the details are on the website they're also going to be on the social medias that we have fan underscore critical on instagram at fan critical pod on twitter and fan critical on facebook not only that there'll be a link in the show notes to the patreon we would massively appreciate any support you don't have to by any way you know any imagination you do not have to support us in this uh, but if you do want to interact with us more and have more of a say on the sort of stuff that we make as well as getting some exclusive content this is a great way of doing that and we're going to be putting a lot of effort into that exclusive content so it will be good uh, so thanks guys that's it for the advert a very long one this week but lots of exciting things that we just mentioned and now let's jump into the plot of the Shawshank Redemption so as is tradition I've scoured the internet or Wikipedia for the plot and we're going to go through it sort of scene by scene, not really scene by scene, but chunk by chunk. And we're going to discuss certain bits. Feel free to jump in with any book changes, yep. uh, ladies, Rita and Raquel. Yeah. I would like some some changes there. And uh, Gareth, chime in whenever you like. In 1947, Portland, Maine, just want to stop it there, Portland, Maine, obviously very important for Castle Rock mm -hmm. and a lot of Stephen King material. Uh, back to Shawshank we are. Banker Andy Dufresne is convicted of murdering his wife and her lover and is sentenced to two consecutive life sentences at the Shawshank State Penitentiary. He is uh, befriended by Ellis Red Redding, an inmate and prison contraband smuggler serving a life sentence. Red procures a rock hammer and a large poster of Rita Hayworth or Emma or Lucy for Andy working <clears throat> working in the prison laundry and Andy is regularly assaulted and raped by the sisters and their leader Boggs, i.e. John. So <laughs> uh, let's stop it there. Let's have a little chat about this. So we get introduced to Andy Dufresne, the prison setting, the fact that he potentially murdered his wife and her lover. Let's just come down on this right now, guys. I mean, I think it's, you know, it's open to interpretation a bit in the film the first time you watch it. did you Do you think he killed uh, his wife? No, but... In the film, it does show him that maybe he did. Like, yeah. I don't believe that he did, but his attitude towards it in the courtroom, I mean, he's described as being a cold fish, and I think that's very accurate. Um, if this was a crime documentary, 
that we was on now, you'd be like, he did it. Look at him. He has oh, no, he doesn't even care. He has no sociopath. feelings. Exactly. I think in the book, it's because you get a lot more description, it's a lot easier to understand his attitude and, and you don't get so much of this in the film that he is very sensible and kind of to the point, well, that doesn't matter because I didn't do it. And it, you, you feel less like there's doubt about his innocence. Whereas here, I think in the film, mm. there is an opportunity for you to go, wow. They do play, they do play up to it, and especially with the opening sequence. You never get the resolution of that sequence. Um, although we know events later on, you hear that someone else potentially did it. The whole phrasing around in the prison of you know everyone's guilty here, you know that kind of motto is is, is you know thrown around quite a lot. It is open to interpretation in the film, a hundred percent. And I questioned it for a long time when I was younger. Yeah, I wonder how important it is to the movie whether he did it or not. Like that's it's not it's not really the point, is it? I think it's um, fairly important because if he murdered his wife and her lover, I wouldn't necessarily want him to escape if I thought he did it. That's yeah, a very good but, point. You know, it's the the point there is that it's uh it's an in the in the moment mistake, isn't it? But But it isn't you know, we've all made we've all reloading. made mistakes. The, no, because the the <laughs> The um, prosecution lawyer says about the gun only holding six bullets. Very and good point. They're shot four times each, so he would have had to stop and reload. So and it's shoot not them a both, in the he- both in the head as yes. well. I think so I get Gareth's point, I though. I think mm. I get Gareth's point in that, actually, there was a certain point in the film where you fall so in love with Andy's character that you sort of forget that he's in there for potentially murdering his wife and, and, mm. and the lover, so it kind of becomes less important. Yeah. Um. In the book, it's quite clear from the beginning that he really isn't guilty. You you can kind of side with him pretty quickly. Um, you know, as you said, Len, everyone everyone in prison is innocent. I got fucked by my lawyer, so mm. exactly lawyer fucked me. Mm. Very good. I it hope not. I hope, I hope not, Lucy, because that you know Don't was it was lawyer. it was it consensual? Don't have a lawyer. Okay, very good. Imaginary I've got a question. Uh, session, <laughs> Gareth. This movie was the first time I'd ever heard the phrase "a, a tall drink of water." Yes. What? Is that as a compliment? Like, what is that? Is that really refreshing? Is that a compliment? Like a good thing? I visualise one of those sort of tall, highball glasses mm. just filled with water. But how nice is that? Like, oh, you're a tall drink of water. Like, oh, nice. Very mm. refreshing. Sounds you quite... You need it to live. It does, yeah, very much so. Mm, lovely. Just seems a strange way of describing someone you've just seen for the it first does, time. It does. But if, to, me it's, it, to me, it is quite a positive description. But it, I agree that it's quite a weird way to, like, describe a fellow inmate. Google uh, yeah. says that it is when someone is uh, tall. generally long-legged, <laughs> tall, and very attractive. Oh, God, they describe me pretty well then. <laughs> anyway. But not Andy, really. <laughs> <laughs> uh, very good. that ginger Gareth, glass of water? Get, Gareth, it's the complete opposite to what you are, my friend. Aww, uh, a shot glass of tea. <laughs> That's good. That's pretty good, yeah. In 1949, Andy overhears the captain of the guards, Byron Hadley, complaining about being taxed on inheritance and offers to help him shelter the money legally. After an assault by the sisters nearly kills Andy, Hadley beats and cripples Boggs, who is subsequently transferred to another prison. So we've lost John. He's out of the story now. Andy is not attacked again. Warden Samuel Norton meets Andy and reassigns him to the prison library to assist elderly inmate Brooks Hatlin. Oh, we all love Brooks. 
Andy begins managing financial matters for other prison staff, guards and for other prisoners, and the warden himself. He also begins writing weekly letters to the state of legislature requesting funds to improve the prison's decaying library. Let's stop it there. I love I love this. This is one of my favourite, not the um, like brutal assault and the crippling. Mm. Uh, I well, love, he I love was the a letters. gang rapist. Well, actually, in the book, in the books, um, in, the, in the novella even, Boggs is the weakest of the sisters Ooh. and he's actually transferred. It's the rest of them that continually beat him and gang rape him for the, for the story. But well. that's not my favourite bit, mm. uh, obviously. Hopefully. Not. not John. Um, my it's the writing <laughs> writing the letters to the state to get funding for the library is fucking brilliant and yeah. it's so spot on. You strike me as the kind of person that would write a letter every week. To be honest, damn with you. straight. Very, <laughs> very, money. very annoying, isn't she? Yeah, very good point. Uh, Brooksy, get introduced to oh, Brooksy God. here. Uh, we also see him earlier in the film with his little bird. I mean, I love Brooks. Jake. Jake. That's it, not his in the book. Well, it's some random bloke has a bird. It's not Brooks. Well, it made I, sense I to give the bird to Brooks, like it. isn't it? Uh, Gareth, I know you like Brooksy, don't you? Well, no, I hate him. I hate lovely old people. God, I really grind my gears. <laughs> yeah, oh, he's he's so sweet. Um, but I, can you remind me what did he do? What did he do to get in? To get uh, in, he there? murdered ten people in cold blood. He was he was yeah, known so. as the Brooks Ripper, <laughs> and he just tra- <laughs> went around Maine just absolutely slaughtering people. Yeah, skin them alive. Yeah, he's crow. But yeah, Brooksy, great character. He didn't actually kill ten people. I do think he's in there for murder, though, if I remember correctly, because he's definitely serving at least one life sentence. Yeah, uh, he's been in there for like fifty, 50 years. years. Yeah, so he he's done something mm. bad. A lot of them in there are there for murder, and that is the same in Castle Rock as well. Shawshank has the reputation of. Yeah. Housing a lot of uh, it's murderers. It's not even bad murder, though. It's like, I actually yeah. hit someone with a car. She it's not even failed. bad murder. Most, like mur- murder, most murder. murder's bad, so... Well, essentially, yeah, I was going to say, manslaughter. Well, let's crack on. Uh, talking about Brooks, he's uh, paroled in 1954 after serving 50 years, as we just said, but he cannot adjust to the outside world and eventually hangs no, himself. No, no, no. No, I was going to say, just stop and we'll pretend it ends differently. Right, well... He leaves well, and we never see what he gets up to. Well, Gaz, in the book, he just dies of old age in an old people's home. Does that make you feel better? Not really. That's oh. worse in a way. Did you, it? Did you just lie to him there? No, that is true. Oh, right, fair he enough. He hang himself in the book. Well, there you go. I mean, I have to say, Frank Darabont, great change because it's a very, very poignant emotional hook. Tears. At the it's, centre point of the film. It's something that... I watch and I almost won't allow myself to feel it because the thought of an old man that has been in prison for 50 years being frightened by cars and bagging groceries and then hanging himself because he can't deal with the outside world. I basically can't deal with it. It so is horrific. I watch it and I'm like, I try not to feel anything because it's one of the most tragic things I've seen in film, I think, uh, for uh, me. And mm. just that bit where, you know, one of the favourite parts of it for me, and it's a terrible scene but uh, in terms of emotion, but where he scribes Brooks was here, yeah. you know, on the wood. And in then his, the, his new prison. Oh, it's just... He says he's tired of being afraid all the time. Yeah. Oh, it's, my God. It's the Brutal. letter that he narrates, the letter um, yeah. that, you know, he sends to the guys. It's just, that's the heartbreaking thing for me, actually. So if you think of, I mean, people, like, with grandfathers, that so, so, could be someone's granddad, like, of that age, is actually, like, horrific. And my mind shuts down when I watch it, I'm like... Don't even take in what this means because it's that horrible. It is mm. very heavy stuff in the centre. And the, a lot of this film is heavy, but for me, that is one of the heaviest moments I've ever seen in a film, for sure. Yeah. Especially when I watched it when I was younger. Uh, let's crack on. 
from that very sad moment. The legislator sends a library donation that includes a recording of The Marriage of Figaro. Yeah, Great marriage. So Andy plays <laughs> an excerpt <laughs> over the public address system and is punished with solitary confinement. So the important thing here is that Andy has been obviously doing a lot of the banking for the warden, has access to his office, has the opportunity to serenade the inmates with something they haven't heard for a very long time. This scene is incredible. Yes. The world has changed though, hasn't it? Like if it happened today, if this was yeah. if this was set Fucking today, fun. they'd be playing like Drake. Yeah. I was going to say hotline. Cindy Lauper. Yeah. I don't know what why. era are you in, Emma? <laughs> Where do you Cindy live? When do you, I was trying to keep Nicki Minaj and Cindy Lauper came oh. into my head. When you said Drake, Gaz, I was going to say Hotline Bling. And I was like, Jesus, how old am I? That was like two years ago. Yeah. Cindy Lauper. <laughs> Cindy Lauper yeah. trumped me. So. <laughs> <laughs> oh, good. good. Well, That's a lovely scene, though. I mean, Cindy Lauper just ruined it. Yeah. But, um, <laughs> it is a beautiful scene. I do. But I, what's what's I, brilliant is the memes yes, that have come out of that yes. now. Like, <laughs> where, um, <laughs> what are they? Was, I can't remember. Have, have you seen it? Yeah, I mean, there's, I mean, one of my favourite memes was uh, we're English, obviously, and uh, one of my favourite memes was during the World Cup where they were just playing three lions over the tannoy, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, which is the England like national anthem, essentially. Um, there's a lot of really good memes and videos out there for that scene, um, and importantly, the marriage of Figaro actually featured um, in the first episode of Castle Rock, yes. where. Um, one of our main protagon- well, protagonists of the show who actually kills himself in the first episode, oh, no yeah. spoiler because it happened straight away, Dale Lacey was playing this song in his car. So a little callback. And he was the warden of Shawshank, as is the warden the here. And obviously to mention that the warden in this iteration of Shawshank is pictured in Castle Rock and the story of him is told yeah, by the guards. The bullet mark is still there. The bullet mark mm, is still there. Warning. So it's all connected, guys, linking it nicely back to Castle Rock. So um let's go uh let's go back to the uh the plot. After his release from solitary, Andy explains that hope is what gets him through this time. A concept that Red dismisses because obviously Red's been up for parole over and over again, you know, you know when's everyone up for rejection is what they say about parole. In 1963, Norton begins exploiting prison labour for public works, profiting by undercutting skilled labour costs and receiving bribes. Norton is the, the warden. He's an absolute dick. I mean, you would though, wouldn't you? If you I could feel make like, yeah, I feel like makes, not receiving bribes, but using prison labour. I mean, chain gangs. Yeah. I mean, it come may, on. I mean, yeah. it, it makes sense. It does make sense. Not slave labour. I don't... It kind of sounds like get, slave labour. But they get paid like $1.50 or They whatever. get paid? It's sort of slave labour. Oh, $1. yeah, $1. sorry. Yeah, it's of course. It's terrible, but they are in prison, so... Do you not think that maybe them contributing to society could be positive? And then uh, they could say, you know, picked up rubbish and put that on their CV when they have to go and work at the straight. grocery store. Isn't it just the, uh, the like, prison version of setting up a Patreon account? <laughs> <laughs> Very good point. Uh, and if you do want to sponsor us, uh, please do. Andy <laughs> launders the money using the alias Ray- Randall Stevens. So you're going to say Raquel. <clears throat> yeah, Excuse me? <laughs> uh, Randall Stevens. Tommy Williams... Uh, this is a new character, everybody. Ooh, is incarcerated yum. for burglary. 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 Oh, burglary. He was a bit. He was a bit burglary. <laughs> I really want a burger now. Tommy Williams is incarcerated for burglary in 1965. Andy and Red befriend him, and Andy helped him pass his GED exam. Aww. So Aww. Andy, just a bloody stand-up 
dude. Quite stand-up guy. Very much tall drink of water. A year later, Tommy reveals to Red and Andy that his cellmate at another prison had claimed responsibility for the murders for which Andy was convicted. So convenient. How convenient. Andy approaches Norton, the warden, with this information, but Norton refuses to listen and sends him back to solitary confinement when he mentions the money laundering. Norton then has Hadley murder Tommy under the guise of an escape attempt. Cunt. Well, yeah, you know, we are, we're an explicit content uh, show, so that is allowed. That I, wasn't what I was shaking my finger at Lucy for. I can't even edit that out because that's that's perfectly <laughs> fine don't was, edit the truth no very good i was um, like waggling my finger at lucy going nah, uh, uh, and expecting her to tell the like novella difference of yeah. the storyline and yeah. she just goes cunt yeah, yeah. fair enough that's well the novella difference. do you want to know the difference yes go ahead tell us all he um he doesn't he doesn't get killed he just gets transferred fair enough out of the prison so that he can't contact him anymore what, it's literally that simple what, Less death. what i like about frank darabont in the direction of this film and, and the screenplay that you know adapting this novella is they took the moments which maybe a bit more grounded in maybe a bit more grounded in sort of reality is that, oh yeah they just got transferred or oh yeah he just died of old age in, a, in an old yeah, person so, it's true. but they took them and they dialed it he dialed it up to 11 <laughs> uh, he really hit the emotion where it hurts because like you said there is that amazing moment at the end of the film where you have that release mm. of emotion but to get there I really do feel you needed to get through a bit more trials and tribulations and, and to have these is, characters die is is a big part of that what you've said is is right and it's but it's believable it's not like what is this that's so unrealistic like I do believe that an institutionalised like pensioner would probably kill themselves yeah that's, and like, I, that's not unbelievable and considering how bad the warden is like very softly spoken villain it, yeah, maybe it is a bit OTT, but in those days, if you're beating people to death and leaving them on the floor in prisons, like, what else, you know, he was, a, he was an escapee. Like, yeah. that, that's reasonable. And I'd actually forgotten until I thought about it that this didn't happen in the book, mm. um, that this was made for them, because it does fit. Like, don't get me wrong, I'm just trying it to make things It makes it more nicer. kind of like, I guess it is Stephen Brutal. King, but it's horror, really. Like, well, yeah. It's not a horror film, but those those moments are like sort of everyday horror like it's real life human horror, horror. Yeah, yeah exactly the uh, real horror of real life at Shawshank yeah I mean it, it, it's a long film but it is a very much an emotional roller coaster where there's moments of hope and then they're absolutely dashed so when you do get that final release of hope at the end it is amazing um, but speaking about depressing times let's let's head back to them because there's, there's a few more on the way Andy attempts to discontinue the laundering but relents after Norton the warden once again threatens to destroy the library remove Andy's protection from the guards and move him to worse conditions Andy is released from solitary confinement after two months and he tells Skeptical Red that he dreams of living in... Oh, Gareth, what the fuck is this place called? Z- Geography boy. Zintanejo. I can't remember. Zihatanejo. Zihatanejo. Yeah, Zihatanejo. Uh, a Mexican coastal town. And I can tell you right now, it is spelt mentally, so that is really hard <laughs> for me to say. Andy also tells him of a specific hayfield near Buxton, which is much easier to say, asking Red to retrieve a package that Andy buried there. Red worries about Andy's well-being, especially when he learns Andy asked a fellow inmate for six feet, that's 1.8 metres, of rope, depends what you know metric you're using. Mm. Um, what were you thinking when you first watched this, the first time you watched this film? Obviously, it's very difficult now because you know what happens. But you panic, the first you? time you watch it, you know, you have been through the ringer a bit in this film. As I said, like a lot of people um, dying, a lot of people giving up, a lot of, you know, injustice. Uh, when I first saw you know this set of scenes leading up to Andy's sort of depressive state 
I was genuinely concerned. Like I'm, I'm trying to think back to when I first watched it, which I can't remember when that was. But um, even now, watching it, you know, you know, when you know how a film ends, but it, yeah, when you watch it, you're always you're still thinking like, oh no, don't do it, don't go yeah. through there, or like, oh, I hope that doesn't happen. I still get that feeling. So I definitely would have when I first watched it. I thought, no, Andy, don't do it. Go to the Huatanejo. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Um, so yeah, big big relief that he didn't. Phew. Um, I would like to say that I'm not going to have to say that Mexican place again, but I've just looked down at the bottom of the yeah, uh, plot synopsis, and I am going to have to say it again. <laughs> so we'll see how that goes. Um, <laughs> Good luck. So he's got the rope. Uh, at the next day's roll call, the guards find Andy's cell empty. Brilliant. Yeah. So good. So what I love about this set of scenes coming up is the way that you've actually sort of almost been shown how he's going to escape from the start. Uh, And when you watch it back and you see some of his conversations and the hope that he always has um, in these conversations with Red and stuff like that, you you, you kind of realise I should have been more hopeful watching this all along. Mm -hmm. And it's just very nice. It's not like a Christopher Nolan technique where you watch The Prestige and you go back and you notice all of the the reasons why you should have known this was happening. Mm -hmm. It's not that in your face and hit well hidden. It's just that he had all the tools there necessary to do something um, that we just didn't see coming. He had pressure and time and that's all it takes. Indeed. Well, very good. Do you know what I also think though? I think it highlights very much that as an audience, we are inherently pessimistic. We don't have hope. We don't have any hope for them. We just think that their life is going to be shit and awful. They'll always get rejected from parole. They'll be stuck in prison. Sorry, that lowered the tone. But do you not think the title of the film kind of gives an indication that things might be okay? Well, I mean, yeah, but... Who says you don't find redemption in death, Lucy? It it could easily be one of those titles where where it's like, oh, what does the redemption refer to? But I think back in those days, it wasn't weird double meanings. It was just straightforward. It's a very straightforward film in many ways. (laughs) The Shawshank Escape from Prison movie. (laughs) (laughs) To be fair, it wasn't that long ago. I mean, I say that. It was 25 years ago. So as we see, an irate Norton throws a rock at a poster of Raquel Welsh. Sorry, Emma, you are destroyed. Hanging on the cell wall. uh, Not like that. Revealing a tunnel that Andy dug with his rock hammer over the last 19 years. Great movie. Great movie? Great movie, yes. It's a great movie. We've been saying that (laughs) all along. (laughs) That's a great moment, I meant to say. It is a great moment. Does anybody want a um, lovely little Stephen King tidbit? I was hoping you were going to say tidbit, yes. Mm. I haven't said that in a while. Uh, So in the film, it's 19 years. In the novella, Gareth, how many years do you think it is before he escapes? 19, because it's Stephen King's number. No, it's not. That's weird, though, isn't it? 32. For fuck's sake. What other number is synonymous with Stephen King? 23. 87. 63. 27, you fucked up. For me. Jesus Christ. (laughs) But it's weird because 19 is the Stephen King number, so. What? No, 19 is very much a Dark Dark Tower Tower number. number. 1919, the book as well. But Dark Tower connects the whole. Stephen King multiverse, you know, so... But this isn't horror. Anyway, well, no, it exists in the well, same anyway, space. So. so now, actually, having realised that, now having read the novella, 
um, Castle Rock, little kiddo, the kid. Makes more years. sense. Makes more sense. Like Makes me. more sense. And he, and I have to say, Bill Skarsgård is a tall drink of water. Oh my God. <laughs> the previous night, Andy used the rope to escape through the tunnel and prison sewage pipe. Just disgusting. Taking Norton's suit, shoes and ledger, containing proof of the money laundering. While guards search for him, Andy poses as Randall Stevens, the alias that he created whilst all this laundering was going on, withdraws the laundered money uh, from several banks and mails the ledger and other evidence of the corruption and murders at Shawshank to a local newspaper. Very good move. I mean, so once rad. once again, that's what I mean about it not being like a Christopher Nolan, mm. here's how it happened, but that you, you think... can understand how it happened and you should have seen that someone as clever as Andy was masterminding you can un- this. I mean, I think when I first watched it, I was fairly young and I thought he would escape, but I didn't think that he would use his like assistance to the warden. No. And his creation of this Randall Stevens mm. to launder the money in his, his benefit. And that's what's lovely. And the shoes... The, love that that with the shoes is amazing nobody n- noticing the shoes I love it and the, I, I don't know if it's just the details that make it such a exceptional film but it definitely adds to it do you know what's funny is they changed the um, identity from the book. In the book, it's Peter Stevens with a mm. V in the Stevens. And they've mm. changed why it. Why have they changed it to Randall, I wonder? Well, we know Flag. exactly why. Yeah. But why have they changed Stevens to PH instead of V? Well, because. <laughs> of it annoys me. Pip. I can't think well, of No, anything. think about it. Randall. Stephen King. Stephen King. There you go. Uh, Randall Flagg, Stephen King, the perfect marrying. And you know, Randall's visited a prison or two in his stand days, hasn't he? That so, he has. To rescue a couple of, you know, corrupt people. Let's get to the finale of the film. So, uh, state police arrive at Shawshank and take Hadley into custody. Murderer. Murderer. While Norton commits suicide to avoid us. Coward. Cunt. And that as well. After serving 40 years, Red is finally paroled. And it made me laugh with this conversation because he completely goes against what he usually says. Oh, yes, sir. You know, he usually says, oh, yes, sir. I'm a changed man, sir. I'm not a danger to society. And now he's like, yeah, you know, fuck it. This is the reality, yeah? That's what he's saying. They're like, you know what? You're speaking truth to me. Yeah. And I can see that and and I respect that. Sometimes you just need to say the truth and it will set you free uh he struggles to adapt to life outside prison and fears that he never will and the important thing about this is he is situated in the same room that brooks was in Mm. which makes that brooks was here uh carving in the wood extremely poignant uh for him especially after he received the letter from brooks earlier in the film and then he had so was red yeah, and you, uh, you worry at that point, don't I you? I did. You do, and they frame it well and they edit it well so it looks like something similar is going to happen. However, he remembers his promise to Andy. He visits Buxton and finds a cache containing money and a letter asking him to come to Ginawatejo. Uh Decent effort. <laughs> Red <laughs> violates his parole by travelling to Fort Hannock, Texas and crossing the border into Mexico, Ugh. admitting that he finally feels hope. He Yay! finally finds Andy on the beach in that location I just mentioned and two <laughs> friends are happily reunited. So um, wow, it's lovely, isn't it? And it's that's that that look from Andy at the end where he looks up and he's he's like oh. polishing that boat, and he, that's not a euphemism. And he uh, <laughs> <laughs> and he he sees him, and he sees him, uh, sees red, and it's just the idea of friendship uh, forged in a very depressing place. Uh, that idea that red never had hope, or was always dismissive of Andy's hope, and the idea that he was able, Andy was not only able to escape, find a bit of peace, but he was also able to save. Someone else from I'm emotional you know, thinking about it. From a fate that you know we. Do, do you not you reckon? Know, is there not a bit of Andy that kind of looks up and he's like, "Oh, for fuck's sake! I didn't, 
I didn't think he'd actually come. Like, <laughs> oh, for fuck. He's got, oh, he's brought me my Titanic box. He's got this hot, like, Mexican bird just chilling out, like, in the background. He's like, oh, fucking no. I was going to... Tonight was the... Oh, for <laughs> fuck's sake, Red. It's been 50 years. Yeah, well, to be fair, Red, you know... I reckon Red was a bit of a player in his day. Damn straight. With that sort of, of him when he was young. With that yeah, sort of boy. smooth vocal, that smooth vocal and that narration, he's he absolutely could killing me it. Any day. Well, that's interesting. We'll leave it at that. Uh, so me. that is the Shawshank Redemption. Um, we reckon uh, up there with The Shining is the best Stephen oh, yeah. King property. Like Not necessarily an adaptation. We, yeah, we put this out there last week on Facebook. We put it out there on our social channels, and it did come across that a lot of people felt that this was the truest adaptation of Stephen mm, King's yeah. works. What we meant when we said that we, you know, like The Shining is for us, that is as important a piece of work. Doesn't necessarily mean that it has to be a letter for letter yeah, translation it's of the one book. One of the best films yes. that has come from Stephen King's work, but as an adaptation, it's not similar, really. No, whatsoever. no, there's a lot of changes but there. Also, the Shining is horror, it's seminal yeah. horror, and Shawshank is a whole different kettle of fish. Yeah, exactly. And so many films have tried to. Emily. replicate what Shawshank has done like we were talking about in our Oscars podcast Green Book they're completely different films but it's that kind of trying to have gravitas and it's just so many films have tried it and I don't understand how even like we were talking about Red's narration Morgan Freeman a lot of the stuff that he says you think this could be so cheesy but it really isn't it doesn't like it just translates so well and I guess that's just testimony to a film that will be considered a classic for as long as there are films. 100%. I mean, it's top of the IMDb list. And I know that's Is not that something to go by, but it's up there for sure. I mean, it's been up there for years. So, And that brings us to a close on the Shawshank Redemption. But before we leave, two little segments for you. We have some feedback. But before that, with the King Corner music, segueing into Gareth's new segment, it's the worst reviews of the week. <laughs> <laughs> Alright, so obviously we love the Shawshank Redemption and a lot of people have that opinion. Not everybody though, um, as exemplified by by IMDB user Tab132, um, who says, A river of feces. 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 A river of feces. feces right. No. Um, all right. So, Tab132 says, I pretty much hated this movie. It's a pri- prison movie, so plot is basically Tim Robbins gets framed, then raped, and eventually <laughs> escapes. We should have got... We should have got that as our uh, as our plot yeah, synopsis, synopsis, shouldn't we? Yeah. yeah. Um, Morgan Freeman is locked up, and I don't know how he just acts like a kid in this. I understand what? he's supposed to be locked up since he was a teen, but really, he's giving the same performance here as his role as God in Bruce Almighty. <laughs> which, <laughs> this was way which... before Bruce Almighty. What's this guy on? Tab one three two. This is a new film. Or go. Even though he's miscast, he honestly carries the movie. Right, so, mm, confusing. Mainly because Tim Robbins does nothing in this movie. Some other subplots include Tim teaching some idiot to read or something. Some old guy... (laughs) Some old guy hangs himself. 
Yeah. Right, is this tab one, two, they... three, John? It sounds like a sort of John <laughs> review. <laughs> Teaching some idiot to read. They deck a roof, Freeman sneaks in a hammer, and Robins make chess pieces. I'll stop. The point I'm making is this movie is excruciatingly boring. Number one on IMDb? Are you kidding me? Even from a technical standpoint, this movie blows. Everything is dull and unimpressive. Hell, it looks more like a TV movie than a film. I'd describe the tone of this as Disney's take on jail movies. Really? It's too concerned with being safe, blah, 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 all this nonsense. Um, Tim Robbins apparently escapes prison with a rock hammer after digging through his cell wall for like 20 years. His hiding place is a poster? Really? To make matters more hilarious, <laughs> he has crawls through a tunnel of poop and emerges from a poop lake in a failed attempt to move the audience. Um, I, I, none I of us were moved, so he's right. Go on. Gaz, what do you think Tab 132's favourite movie actually is if number one movie short? I would assume it? it is Fast and the Furious. I was say that. Tokyo Drift, I reckon. Yeah, that's oh, the worst. Yeah. One. That's the worst Fast and the Furious. I mean, and our Fast yeah, and Furious maybe. podcast will be um, out later this year. Because Tab 132, top Patreon supporter. Yeah. I know it, mm. uh, yeah, good, good again, Gareth. Um, I'd love to Thanks, meet man. some of these reviewers. No. I am concerned. The, the way you, you know, sort of translate their reviews, they all sound very similar. Obviously, you're doing that on purpose, but it makes me just think that you're writing them all the time, which obviously I don't <laughs> think you are because um, you wouldn't be able to come up with a name as mundane as Tab 132. However... I don't know. Um, Did you hear my uh, my narration earlier? I think I'm quite mm, capable very of true. coming up with anyway, mundane. Thank you very much for that, Gareth. I'm Thanks, sure guys. the listeners really enjoy that. And they can let us know their review on the Shawshank Redemption uh, in the feedback section, which we are moving on to now. And to get in touch with us, you can either contact us on any of our social channels, on Instagram, fan underscore critical, on Twitter at fancriticalpod, or on Facebook as fancritical. Or the most preferable way, if possible, if you could do, is to email us at fancriticalpodcast at gmail.com and let us know your thoughts. We have acquired some thoughts on our Shining podcast from a couple of weeks ago and some thoughts on the Shawshank Redemption. So let's move on to feedback. This will interest everyone because as we mentioned in our Shining podcast, there was the potential that... I mean, it's, a, it's an absolute lie, but there's a potential that Stanley Kubrick was making The Shining and making a comment on the moon landing, which he was supposedly hired to fake and direct. Um, there's a very famous documentary uh, called Room 237, which I said to go and check out and whatever. Uh, and Elizabeth um, has been on touch with us in Facebook on Facebook, um, just putting her thoughts into the hat that we have. And me and Gareth are staunchly against the fact that the moon landing was faked. Um, makes Gareth extremely irate when we talk about it. So you'll like this, Gareth. Um, I mean, don't say don't say we're against the fact that it was faked because th- <laughs> it's definitely not a fact. Yeah, that's true. It, it's not fake. Uh, Elizabeth says that Kubrick was working on 2001 at the time of the moon mission and uh, the, the documentary states Kubrick is lying about... Um, you know, 237 or changing 237 to 217 to cover up Kubrick's hand in the moon mission. Uh, it's convoluted shit, she says. To state both Kubrick and the government colluded in a conspiracy, why would they do that? Why would Kubrick essentially be confessing in The Shining? It's a very good point. Why it, the guilt issue, I've never believed. And as we said before, Gareth, it's just not possible to to film the moon landing or fake it at that in that decade yeah. it's just not possible the, the technology, technology. Why, there why Te- was there wind on the moon then explain that what 
I mean, look. The flag was fluttering. Is there wind Lucy, in the moon? Lucy, we're not getting into this. Me, I'm not debating El- the moon landing. Open your minds, me, people. Me, Elizabeth and Gareth <laughs> are staunchly against it being fake, and that is all that's important. So thank you, Elizabeth, there... for joining the, the sensible people. Lucy is also if, a flat if... earth supporter, so we don't really talk Definitely much about not. that. Uh, if anybody is in doubt, you, you just need to search for the video of how how it couldn't have been faked. Like, yeah. It's amazing and it sounds ridiculous, but the technology existed to get to the moon. It didn't exist to fake a moon landing. Yeah. You couldn't possibly have filmed it. There Who wasn't any way. Neil Armstrong walking onto the moon then? Who was the first Well, no, person. it was real. We didn't, we didn't have you the noodle. Who filmed it? What do you mean? The other guy. So they were the first person. <laughs> no. He was oh. in the ship. Stop it. Right, anyway, this is absolutely garbage. Open your mind. They had a camera set on up the, already. Mounted. The, on the a little drone. Sep- separated camera. Yeah, on a drone, Lucy. Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> let's move on from the moon landing because it's getting. <laughs> that's in our science podcast, which is part of uh, Far Right critical, critical with Lucy. I'm not Far Right. I just have some questions. Well, Donald Trump thinks climate change is false. So what do you think? Obviously, it's not false. Well, there you go. He's believed some science. Oh. Yeah, right. <laughs> uh, Richard Carroll, a good friend of the pod and a friend of ours, uh, said that he finished our Shining podcast uh, and turns out he lives That's near good. Kubrick's house. And Ooh, it's a couple of miles dead, away from him. Yeah. I did not know this. Yeah, this is interesting. A couple of miles away from him. His uncle is a fire alarm engineer and does the alarms there. He sat at the table with the typewriter from The Shining. Oh. Said he still won't take That's him there, though. Cool. And that is fucking cool. Because we did say in the Shining podcast last week that all work um, and no play makes Jack a old boy was typed out possibly by Stanley Kubrick yeah. on that very typewriter for that many times because he never asked the uh, the art direction crew to do it. So there's a, there's a theory that he drove himself mad by writing all of that um, typing. I was hoping that the story there would be that he lives near Kubrick's old house. And his uncle is a fire alarm engineer. <laughs> and just leave it there. Janet has been in touch on Twitter and uh, here's some uh, thoughts on the Shawshank Redemption. As for Shawshank, I absolutely love both the story and the movie. My own personal theory on why most Stephen King adaptations don't translate well from book to film is that generally most of the story takes place in the protagonist's heads or their thoughts. It's hard to portray that on film. Mm-hmm. That was largely the case in The Shining. Shawshank managed the delicate dance very nicely by having Morgan Freeman narrate a lot of the inner dialogue. Mm. It added a dimension that was missing in other adaptations. Mm. I would like to add, uh, blowing my teeny trumpet here in brackets, that I am listed in the acknowledgements of the Stephen King illustrated trivia book by name because I submitted a trivia question that was used in the book. And it actually related to a link between the Torrance family and Harold Lauder of The Stand. They both lived in Arapaho, Street in Boulder, Colorado. Wow. So that's pretty cool. Go on, Janet. Yes, Janet. Loving that. So very good take there and a very good point because the way that Stephen King does write is, like she said, from the protagonist's point of view. Mm. Um, And that's why I said at the start of this review of The Shawshank Redemption that it's the best narrated film of all time. And it's an excellent plot device and a plot device that now... Uh, could be overused at times, but I, I, I think when this came out, it was revolutionary in terms of the way it used narration to really string together a story and bring that novella to life. So, and actually, that's one of the things we said about The Shining was that you didn't get what you got in the book because you weren't inside the head. So, actually, great point, Janet. Very good point. Spot on. And love. being inside Danny Torrance's head is not a place you want to be. Oh. Um, okay, finally, we have Denise, who's been in touch via email. Uh, she said this: "I've really enjoyed your coverage of Stephen King films and book thus far. I was just wondering." 
wondering how you felt about Stephen King making cameo appearances in most of his movies, very Hitchcockian. Mm. So something we actually, and I have to say, have overlooked completely yep. is the cameos from Stephen King in his, you know, adaptations. Uh, I've got a list here of some. Um, and I, we've missed one glaring one. I yeah, have to massively. say, there's one that we've really so missed. Glaring. We haven't, we haven't done the others oh yet. Oh my god! Uh, so he's in Creep Show as Geordie Verrill. He's in Maximum Overdrive as the man at the bank ATM. He's in Creep Show Two as the truck driver. Right, this is the one that we missed, which is one that we've already covered. We missed two actually. So he was in Pet Cemetery as the minister at a funeral. Which I ha- can't believe we missed that. I honestly cannot believe we missed that. Golden Years, he was a bus driver. Sleepwalkers, he was a cemetery caretaker. The Stand, he was ten- Teddy Weezak. I can't believe I didn't realise I mean, that. I, mean, like, I hated I can't The Stand. It, but... I mean, to be honest with you, in The Stand, I think it was a war of attrition and we were just <laughs> getting through it. <laughs> yeah, um, much. It was a rough time for everyone involved. If you want to hear our Stand podcast go back, I actually kind you of gave enjoyed it, it. You gave it like four blueberries. I did give it four. I did Fucking enjoy ridiculous. it. ridiculous. Yeah, sometimes you just got to say Sorry. you fought, fought with it fondly as a child. Uh, so he's been in... Uh, <laughs> not like that. He's been in a, a couple of uh, cameos as well. So just want to say... Very good point, Denise. Thank you very much for that. We've overlooked it. And from now on, we will be looking for more Stephen King cameos. And we will talk about them more in the podcast. So that is a good thing that was brought to light. Um, And that's it for this week's podcast. That's it for the Shawshank Redemption. All that's left to do is to tell you what we're covering next. And we decided that we've done two very, very good adaptations in a row, The Shining and Shawshank Redemption. And we are now going to be moving on to something extraterrestrial. And we're going to be doing... Stephen King's The Tommyknockers next, which is a very interesting, um, interesting book, interesting film or miniseries. It was on TV. And the thing that's interesting about it is Tommyknockers still has a lot of connections to Castle Rock, especially with the woods, especially with what we were uh, thinking that Schisma was potentially mm. related to something like from the Tommyknockers. So it's very, very interesting. And we're looking forward to covering that. Just to mention, we have had some absolute bombshells in this podcast the fact that we are starting the game of thrones podcast so we'll put stuff on social about that next week so you can all subscribe if you like game of thrones let's face it everyone likes game of thrones and not only that the patreon is now live so if you could please do go to our patreon page it is in the show notes in the podcast notes it's also on our website and all of our social channels and if you want to hear more exclusive content and let us know what you want to talk about, what you want to commission, what you want to guest appear on, depending on what level of blueberry you want to become, then uh, please do join us. Join us. Join us. Join the fellowship of Fan Critical. That means a lot to us. Thank you very much, Lucy. Thank you. Thank you, Emma. You're welcome. Thank you, Gareth. Thank you for all of the terrible insults. Fresh fish. No worries. And uh, John is recovering after his beating uh, as the leader of the sisters, he will be back next time. But he'll never walk again. <laughs> <laughs> Goodbye. Bye. Bye. Bye.